The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. Thank you all for listening with us today. Very glad that you've joined us. Um, again, we've got a great program for you today. I love getting your comments on our Spirit of Recovery Facebook page, and thank you so much for sending me emails. I love hearing what's happening for you in your spirituality and your recovery walk and uh, finding that uh, what we're doing here on Spirit of Recovery is making a difference for you in your recovery. Uh, My goal is always to open up new avenues, new ideas, new thoughts that are going to deepen and broaden the spiritual and recovery walk for people. And um, just lots of exciting things are happening right now in the recovery community. Lots of wonderful open doors that uh, deepen and broaden recovery. So thank you also for letting your friends and the people in your recovery, your unity community, your other spiritual communities, your circles of families and friends know about us here on Spirit of Recovery. It's great to to broadcast on the topic of spirituality and recovery right here on unityonlineradio.org. And um, it's a, a great joy for me. I'm just so glad to have the privilege to do this. Every week we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community. I have guests who are down to earth, knowledgeable, and innovative. My guests are always people who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for or teach or uh, bring some resources for recovering people. And uh, the guests are bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You can listen to us here on Unity Online Radio at Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can listen live. You can listen through your smart device. You can listen on demand. We've got lots of great archives uh, that are available to you all the time. And those are on unityonlineradio.org slash program slash Spirit of Recovery. Also... If you like what you are hearing on Spirit of Recovery and any of the other great programs on unityonlineradio.org, and if you feel so moved, you are invited to contribute financially to help uh, support this online radio station. And uh, you can make a one-time donation or you can make that a, a permanent donation or a continuing donation. 
And uh, you can text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. And that does help make a difference. It does support UnityOnlineRadio.org. I want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place so that if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're a family member or a friend of a person that has the disease of addiction and you are uh, either in recovery yourself as a family member or friend or not and maybe your loved one is or not in recovery, that's okay. We're glad you're here. Or you're just curious, maybe, about the recovery process. We're glad you're listening. Um, we invite you to uh, call in or email us in during the program if you have a comment or question for the guests today. And um, just also just keep listening. We're glad that you're here. And we know that uh, what we're doing is touching hearts and minds. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and an addictions counselor. I'm also a person that has in my own circle of love and friendship many people that have the disease of addiction. And 33 years ago, those relationships were a catalyst that got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. And my walk continues to be an integration of the unity principles and recovery principles. And that keeps transforming my life and keeps me growing And uh, so I'm grateful, delighted to have had that opportunity in my life and to have it, um, keep on having that opportunity and so grateful to be able to share these ideas with you and to hear what's happening for you in your recovery and your spirituality walk. So today our topic is connecting with my higher power. And uh, we know that connecting with a constructive and helpful power that's greater than whatever it is that's harming us is an essential uh, for recovery. And we know that um, in the recovery process, each person is invited to find a power um, that they uh, define, a power that works for them. And, and that can be an interesting process. Uh, if we've got old ideas or old hurtful experiences that block out a connection with uh, a constructive power, what do we do about that? Well, my guest today is going to be sharing uh, her ideas and her extensive experience in that area My guest is Marie Krebs, and Marie is a licensed professional counselor. She's a licensed chemical dependency counselor. She's a certified sexual recovery therapist. She has a master's of science in organizational leadership and ethics and a master's of science in counseling. And um, she has extensive experience um, in working with people um, in recovery to develop their understanding of their higher power and to develop a relationship with that higher power. Uh, Marie was for five years the director of the executive director of the 12th Step Ministries Incorporated in Dallas, Texas. And at that time, she was responsible for managing over 80 12 step recovery meetings a week at the Center for Spiritual Development. And that, uh, that center is the largest recovery center in the Southwest. And at that time, she also developed continuing education events for the recovery, the professional, and the faith community and provided, um, lots of information and referral services and, uh, also operated a small private practice. And very recently, Marie has joined Elements Behavioral Health, and she's a regional outreach director. And uh, she covers the areas of Texas, Arkansas, and Louisiana, and uh, reaches out to as a clinical liaison and helps uh, families find support for their loved ones in the recovery process. So, Marie, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. Thank you, Anna. I'm glad to be here. 
glad you're here. And one thing, too, I forgot to say, and I want to say that, that the Texas Association of Addiction Professionals and the Dallas chapter recognized you as the 2014 Counselor of the Year. So you come highly, highly recommended, and I know you, you work diligently in this field, and, and that is much, much appreciated. So, Marie, well, how would you get interested? Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, thank you. I was very humbled by that, um, by that award. Um, I am um, very appreciative of that, but also very humbled. I, uh, there are a lot of um, clinicians here in the Dallas area that I have a lot of respect for, and um, being, being in that um, league with them was a, quite an honor for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, your, your question was, how did how did I get into this field? Well, yeah. I, I usually tell people, um, it's totally a God deal, right? I, I mm-hmm. um, if you had told me ten years ago that I would have um, spent the last five years with the twelve step ministry in Dallas, I would have said you were nuts. I could not possibly envision myself doing that. But um, you know, for me, part of that is um, that is part of the recovery journey is is learning how to surrender. Um, understanding, you know, what powerless really means and what surrendering means because when we truly do surrender, it's my belief that uh, we experience more freedom in our lives than any other time. Um, I, it was just a very odd set of circumstances that I was introduced to the 12-step ministries. Um, they were looking, originally I came on as a consultant to them um, and was helping them with some, you know, organizational development, with some board development and recruitment and trying to get some systems in place. Um, the 12-step ministry is a program, an affiliate ministry, if you will, of Lovers Lane United Methodist Church in Dallas. And um, it is an organization that has been around for decades. Um, and they, um, they, like I said, they have close to between 70 and 80 12-step recovery support group meetings every week, touching on, um, and again, it fluctuates depending on, you know, because meetings, they kind of come and they go. But um, around 35 to 36 different types of issue areas. People were oftentimes surprised that um, we didn't have, like, daily AA meetings there, Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. Um, and that is because in, in Dallas, like ma- most major metropolitan areas, you can find AA meetings on most corners. Um, but what we had were the meetings that um, most other churches um, usually either didn't want there or um, I call them the um, specialty groups, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, we had meetings, and, and they still they still go today. There's um, several different um, adult children of alcoholics, uh, ACOA meetings. Uh, we have the, uh, one of the few survivors of incest anonymous meetings in North Texas. Uh, Marijuana is anonymous as well. And then the heroin anonymous, cocaine anonymous, um, debtors, um, mm-hmm. uh, Eating disorders. I'm kind of doing like going mm-hmm. to a mental list here, um, mm-hmm. but probably the majority, 60 to 65 percent of the meetings that we have at any given time uh, happening at the CSD are for what we refer to in the recovery community as the S groups. So mm-hmm. meetings for sex addicts, sexaholics, sex and love addicts, as well as what I refer to as the COSA partner groups. So partners of sex addicts or sexaholics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as a result of that, when I first, like I said, when I first came to 12-step ministry, I came as a consultant and I was trying to help them shore up, you know, um, financial resources and organizational um, 
um, um, programming in terms of, you know, where they were going, you know, with the programming that they offered there. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I went back to graduate school myself. Um, I had uh, been on a recovery journey for myself that had started almost 12 years ago when I first entered the uh, uh, uh Room in Austin, actually, it was a uh, Al-Anon meetings um, in Austin um, that I was first introduced to recovery. And um, so for me, the, you know, the journey was one of um, ever expanding and growing. And, and I think as most people who are in recovery for any length of time or, you know, really, I think that people can even, you know, usually within the first 90 days of recovery, experience what, what we refer to as the peeling of the onion, if you will. And, and you know, the layers and layers of um whether it be shame or um, fear or uh, just, you know, whatever it is that's keeping people from, um, you know, getting to know their, their true self or, as I put it, their highest self. Mm-hmm. Um, so, nonetheless, um, I came to them, uh, to 12-step, started doing that work, went back to graduate school again and got another master's in counseling because as part of my journey was discovering that that indeed was um, what I was put on this earth to do, was to be um, a counselor, to be a therapist, to be a healer, to be, bring people, um, shine a light, if you will, for people to kind of show them a way to come back to their true self. And 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 most people who work with me come to me because of my training also as a spiritual director as well. And mm-hmm. um, because the, with a focus on that spiritual component of recovery, for a variety of reasons, as you know, Anna, there's, you know, people have had all kinds of woundings. And, and for many, that's been either a religious or some kind of a spiritual wounding. And so, you know, the 12 steps of recovery ask us to, to you know, look at and identify a, a, a higher power, a God of our understanding, if you will. And so for people who either have had some kind of religious wounding or some kind of a spiritual wounding, that can be really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, um, through a variety of means and, and you know, as, as the day is long, I, I, I have worked with people and, and it's each person is an individual. Therefore, you know, each response is pretty much tailored for where that person is. It, it can be as simple as... Um, you know, for someone who's had, you know, uh, really, really serious religious or spiritual wounding, um, you know, asking them to kind of um, think about a power greater than themselves. And, and, you know, for some people that might be a thunderstorm, you know, that they, they can look at a thunderstorm and they can go, yeah, that, you know, uh, that, that's, there's a lot of power in that, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I can't control something like that. And, and so, you know, exposing people to begin to kind of open that, that, um, that um, window, if you will, of their mind to how nature can be a great teacher, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, having and allowing um, that be the entry point, if you will, for uh, recognizing a higher power, power greater than ourselves, uh, maybe through nature. And so having people do, you know, a variety of different exercises. A, a dear friend, she used to say that she doesn't think that people really uh, struggle with ADD. She thinks it's more NDD, nature deficit disorder. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I, I do have clients who some people may think I'm a little nuts, but it, it has worked for them and it's actually been helpful that I will ask them to go out and, and I, I want them to spend 30 minutes um, at least three times a week in, in nature and, and, and 
that means going out and either contemplating meditating on a tree, go out and hug a tree, spend some time with your arms around the tree to feel the, you know, the grounding nature of a tree, um, or it can be, you know, meditating on the clouds or, or whatever, um, you know, as, like I said, to kind of create a little window, if you will, for um, what a God of their understanding could become for them. Right. Um, other, other, um, and as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm trained as a spiritual director, and so. Or tell us a little training, bit about what that means, Marie. Yeah, like what does that mean? How's that different from being a minister? Okay, yeah, absolutely. It's a great question too, because you know a lot of times people are very confused. Um, a spiritual director. Uh, uh, let me let me explain my training, okay? Because there's different training programs. Some are run through universities. Some are, you know, um, they're all very different. Mine was a three-year training program, and it was run through um, an organization called Heart Paths Dallas, and um, it's operated through Spiritual Ministries Institute, which is out of Oklahoma City. Excuse me. It's a three-year training program, and so the very first year we had a focus on, excuse me, um, prayer, and we spent the very first year um, looking at all types of prayer and and. When I say I have a like two volumes, huge binders of different types of prayer, and and most people are like, "Are you kidding me?" Like, how many? It's like you know, like what are prayers, right? Well, there's all kinds. There's breath prayer. There's walking prayer. There's sensory prayer. There's touch prayer. There's you know, as well as more meditative types. Um, so we we spent the first year. There was a group of us that went through the program. Um, and and we met every week for we took the summers off, but so for a full nine months we met every single week, and um, we we learned the different types of prayer that are um, available to us. The second year is what they refer to as the Ignatian year, and so it, I don't know if you're familiar with Ignatian spirituality, um, and it's a wonderful it's a wonderful way of reading sacred scripture, um, and um, meditating and being very deliberate in, um, you know, getting spiritually grounded, if you will, prior to reading the scripture. And then as you read the scripture, not, not viewing it as an outsider looking in, but rather as a participant. It's very unusual, a very different way. But then when you get into a meditative state and you are, um, you read through scripture, then sitting with that and discerning what the message is for you to take from that experience that you have, you know, you have read. So that's one of the tools when, you know, in working with some people, typically people coming from a Christian orientation, um, Ignatian spirituality is a wonderful way to really um, kind of put your, put your faith on steroids, if you will. Um, It's Mm -hmm. a a very different way of looking at, um, sacred scriptures and interpreting them and can bring people, um, in addition to healing, some really uh, profound and beautiful... Hold on to that thought. We're going to be right back. Sorry sorry to interrupt you. Um, It's time for our break. Our topic today is connecting with my higher power. My guest is Marie Krebs, who is a licensed counselor and a licensed chemical dependency counselor and has lots of experience working with recovering people, finding their higher power. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. 
Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. state of change, a period of transition? Perhaps you simply don't know which way to turn, or you want guidance on taking that next step in your personal or professional life. You can activate the power of yes with Reverend Beverly Melander. As a new thought minister and next step counselor, she knows how to listen to where you are and help you get to where you want to be. With 20 plus years of experience, she offers spiritual counseling and affirmative prayer next step counseling for your personal or professional life, as well as resume writing and editing. To learn more about Beverly's counseling services, visit beverlymelander.net. That's Beverly, M-O-L-A-N-D-E-R.net. For listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, our topic today is connecting with my higher power. My name is Anna Schaus. I'm your host, and my guest today is Marie Krebs. Marie is a licensed professional counselor. She's a licensed chemical dependency counselor and a certified sexual recovery therapist as well. Um, as a spiritual director, and uh, Marie has lots of experience um, in the 12-step ministry program in Dallas, Texas, and um, in her private practice um, with working with people um, in recovery who are searching for creating that relationship with a power that's greater than themselves and a very and a constructive power that's very different from the disease of addiction in whatever form it may show up. Um, Marie also now per- currently works for Elements Behavioral Health as a regional outreach director, connecting uh, persons and families with recovery resources. Before I'm back to my um, discussion with Marie about connecting with your higher power, I invite you to join me for a moment to experience our connection, your connection, each of us connection with our higher power in the Serenity Minute. So I invite you to take a moment as we'll share a constructive idea and then just take a moment in the quiet. I invite you to relax, to be aware of your breath as it comes in and goes out in your own unique natural rhythm and to allow your breath to relax you from the crown of your head all the way through your body temple and be aware of your heart and the love that's who you are. I invite you to share this idea with me. I trust that I am connected with generous, powerful, healing love. I trust that I am connected with generous, powerful, healing love. And we take a moment in the quiet.
Thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute. And I trust that it was an opportunity for you to experience your connection in your own way with that constructive power. And now we're back to my discussion with my guest here today, Marie Krebs, and talking about connecting with my higher power, with our higher power. And so, Marie, before the break, you were talking with us about um, what you learned in your training as um, a spiritual director. And it sounds like a wonderful, uh, really open-ended approach and and using a lot of different um, approaches to spirituality, approaches to um making that connection, and uh, you were telling us a bit about uh, if people had a Christian background or were interested in that orientation, that that the Ignatian prayer was very useful for them, um, the way of understanding Scripture. Tell us, if you want to, a little bit more about that, if there's any more there, and also kind of how, how does that work? Would people come, you know, from a variety of faith traditions, and, and I think we're more and more aware in this day and age about how important it is to respect our variety. So, how do you work? How do you work with those things with people? Oh, absolutely. Well, just you know, the last thing I would say about Ignatian spirituality. It is a really for someone with a Christian orientation to spirituality uh, to a faith tradition. It's a wonderful way to really deepen their faith and and to to read sacred scripture um, in a much more richer, more meaningful way. That's, and that's what I would say, you know, regarding mm-hmm. that. And, and so that, if someone's coming in with that orientation, that would be a method that I would use to help them in, in, um, developing their spirituality, um, to aid and assist them in their recovery. But if somebody you know, was interested also, in that, how could they, is there any online resource that they could at least start looking for? Oh, absolutely. How, they could, how would they I mean, find that? You can, well, you could simply Google Ignatian spirituality, and there's different, um, you know, different retreat centers across the country, um, and and you know, in contemplative contemplative centers offer um, Ignatian uh, retreats, um, and so simply just Google Ignatian spirituality, and there's loads of information on. You know, Google is kind of like the the next best thing, right? But it, it, there's a whole host, regardless of where you are in the country, there's places across the country that offer um, Ignatian retreats or workshops. Um, sometimes people even will, will run through a nine-month program of Ignatian spirituality, just kind of, you know, I, I don't want to call it a Bible study because it's not really just a Bible study. It's a, it's a, it's a deeper, um, it's a different way of viewing scriptures, and it's much more guided and disciplined, if you will, in terms of how to read it. Um, okay. and, and very helpful for folks. But getting back to your question, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of, of, you know, working with people of, you know, different faiths or no faiths, agnostics, even atheists, um, you know, because I've, I've had people sit across from me as well that, that really struggle with this idea of, you know, being expected to, you know, have a recovery program that, you know, in course, of, you know, the 12-step um, uh, model of recovery um, does ask that, you know, that you identify a, a power greater than yourself, a higher power. Um, but for people who, who that is a real issue with, um, you know, uh, part of, you know, obviously as a therapist, I want to try to get to, you know, and a, a better, I ask a lot of questions. I'm very curious because, um, you know, people have reasons for, um, you know, for our beliefs, and especially, you know, the farther along that we get in this life, we, we have reasons for um, 
some of our um, beliefs that we have about things. And, and sometimes that can be as a result of a trauma. That can be as a result of uh, maybe the way that we were raised and, you know, we we, you know, swear to ourselves as children, when I grow up, I will never do, you know, this kind of a thing. Um, uh, sometimes it's because of abuse, um, you know, a variety of different reasons. But nonetheless, so if someone has a difficult time with the, with either, with the 12 steps, um, and, you know, I worked at a building and it was interesting to me, I always felt it was very interesting um, how many people would come to me who absolutely had no interest in, in participating in 12-step recovery. And, and that was not going to be their path. So um, I, I used a couple, a couple of texts. Um, my, my first and favorite, of course, and I'm sure, I'm, I don't want to assume anything, but I'm sure people have probably heard of Miguel Ruiz's book, The Four Agreements, which is the Toltec tradition, which to me is such a simple um, uh, guidepost. I mean, that's the easiest way I can conceptualize it for people. Four guideposts. For um, for living one's life, that that you know, and all it asks is are those four simple things. And I even tell people when you when you purchase, if you ever do purchase the book, and you um, in the very front there's a little tab, and I even tell people that you know you can simply just um, pull the tab out if you don't read the book. But those four agreements are to be impeccable with your word, to not take anything personally, to not make assumptions. And always do your best. And for people who who struggle with a higher power, asking them, you know, and working through each of these individual um, um, components is, uh, in my experience in working with people, if they had trouble with 12-step recovery, if they had trouble with coming up with some kind of a higher power, some kind of a spirituality, for them, this Toltec, which is a, it is a type of spirituality, um, that's something that they could get their head around, you know, because, you know, um, just because a person is an atheist, I mean, to me, you know, I'm not fearful of that because to me, there's a reason that a person has become an atheist, you know. Um, They're they're more in in facts, but, you know, I mean, does that necessarily mean that they're, you know, horrible people, that they're bad people, that they, you know, um, you know, to me, I think it's all about how things are revealed to people and people, you know, growing into their spirituality and growing into their understanding, if, if you will, of life and, 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 and making sense of this world around us. And, you know, so, you know, people that struggle with the disease of addiction, um, you know, oftentimes, uh, you know, they struggle in other areas of their life as well, too. And so asking people, could you use just these four guideposts? If 12, you know, if the, if the Ten Commandments are too much, if the 12 steps are too much, how about four? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and 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 these are you know when you think about you know and the, just you know briefly you know under you know being impeccable with your word it simply means to speak with integrity, to say only what you mean, you know avoid using words to speak against yourself or to gossip about others, and using the power of your word in the direction of truth and love. I mean, to me the like I said the I, I think that the Toltec traditions. Of the four agreements are a very um, healthy way for people who are struggling in their recovery and the whole sitting in 12-step meetings, you know. And and so how do people, okay, so you buy this book, you read that, and you're like, yeah, okay. Well, so how are you going to keep yourself accountable with that, right? Mm-hmm. So 
if you have for other people that you've met in recovery, even people in 12-step rooms. I mean, in my experience, people are pretty open to having, you know, other opportunities for getting together. Well, have a, have, you know, some Toltec groups or, you know, start a Toltec group or um, even, and that group, it can be just one other person that you, you meet with regularly or you communicate with regularly and you talk about, you know, okay, how are we doing on these four agreements, you know? Um, because I can almost guarantee you that if you ever get tripped up anywhere in the course of your life and you just sit back and take a little pause and, and look at it and kind of dissect it a little bit, it will probably be in one of these four areas. You know, either you made an assumption about, you know, the, because the boss said such and such and you did this and then you got, you know, and then you blew up at work or this, that, and the other, that it was either, you know, because you took something personally, you made an assumption about somebody else, maybe you didn't do your best at work that day. Maybe it was, you know, because you were tired or you'd had an argument with somebody the night before and you just weren't really, you weren't really in it. You didn't really show up and give, you know, work or your relationship or whatever your very best. Um that, you know, though that is yet another way. Um, I don't know how much time we have until the next break. There's another, I'll go ahead and tell you, there's another book that I use. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's another book I, I use, and I love this book. It's a tiny little book, and again, I think the smaller, the simpler that we can uh, we can make it. Um, and he doesn't know I'm going to be, he actually, he knows this because I've actually spoken to them out there, but Chris Princess wrote this absolutely fabulous book years ago. And it's called Zen and the Art of Happiness. Mm-hmm. And it's a wonderful, tiny little book. But what it, what it challenges the reader to do is to look at, and Chris is in recovery himself as well. And how do you but spell his challenge- last name? Prentice, P-R-E-N. Oh, yeah, Chris, Chris Prentice. Okay. Um, it, what it does is it challenges the reader to look at life and seeing it from a perspective as, the, you know, um, it is what it is, and this is supposed to, you know, this is supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a wonderful story in the book, and I usually, you know, try to give people a little teaser of what, the, you know, what they can expect in the book. Um, I also say with anything that I encourage people to read, like we say in the recovery rooms, take what fits and leave the rest. You know, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater just because you disagree with a particular tenet or principle. You know, they're, they're, keep just stay with it. You know, look at it. And and and. Um, but in in Chris's book, Zen and the Art of Happiness, he tells the story about the very first time that he got a, a new car for himself, had the money to actually purchase the new car for himself. And he's sitting in his um, uh, office in his house, and the car, new car is parked out front on the street. And he's, you know, sitting there very proud and having a wonderful experience with this, you know, knowing that he's purchased this new car. And down the street is this, like, VW microbus, kind of a beat-up old VW bus that has a, a guy driving it. There's a woman in the front seat, and there seems to be, a, appears to be a young child in the back seat. And this this bus is kind of lumbering down his street, and then crashes into his car, his brand new car, (laughs) and he sits there and he sees this whole thing unfolding before his eyes. Well, the next thing he notices is the driver of this bus, this VW, puts his hands on both sides of his head like, oh, man, what did I just do? And the wife is like, oh, my, you know, she's got her arms, she's raising her arms, and he stops and he gets out and he looks at it and he's just walking around shaking his head. And, you know, the kid in the back seat's just like, what's going on here? What's going on? And Chris is just watching this whole scene unfold. 
right? So he walks out of the front door, and he walks up to the fella, and he says, hey, what's going on here? And the guy's like, oh, man, I am so sorry. I just can't believe I did this. Oh, my God. It's not that bad. It's, it's, it's not going to cost that much to fix. I promise you, I, as soon as I get the money, I'm going to pay to fix your car. But pay, but Chris was like, hold, hold on, hold on just a minute. He says, what, what, what's going on here? Like, what, what are you doing here on my street? And the guy says, oh, man, I lost my job, and, you know, we just, we just came here because I've heard there's you know, more jobs here in this town and, you know, got my wife and my son with me and don't even have a place to live and, you know, got all of our possessions are here. We were going to go camping for, you know, oh, man, I just feel so bad about your car. Chris says, hang on, hang on just a minute. He says, what kind of work do you do? What kind of work do you do? And the guy says, well, I'm, I'm a carpenter. That's, you know, that's kind of what my profession is. And, oh, man, I feel so bad about your car. You know, the guy's just, just really struggling with it. Chris says, hang on a minute. He goes in his house, makes a phone call. He comes back out and he says, Listen, I've just called a friend of mine. He's a contractor. And he says, if you will show up here at this address tomorrow, he has a job for you. Mm-hmm. And the guy, you know, looks at him and he's got tears in his eyes. And he's like, oh, my God, you've got to, I just hit your car, man. I mean, I can't believe you're not screaming and yelling at me. I just, I just, and it looks like it's new. It still has tags on it. Mm-hmm. And Chris says, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a new car. It's the first new car I've ever had in my life. And and the guy says, oh, my God, we, I, I swear, the first paycheck I get, I figure it'll be about $300, but the first paycheck I get, I'm going to bring it to you. I want to, you know, I want to make sure that you, I'm going to take care of you, man, I am. And Chris says, absolutely not. And he said, I will not take your, I will not take your money. I'm not going to fix my car. I'm so grateful that I had this experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful that I can do something for you to help you today. Mm-hmm. And all I ask is that you pass this on. You see, to me, that kind of spirituality, that's the kind of spirituality I strive for. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I actually, for myself, I got a new car. Um, it was about this time last year, as a matter of fact. And within the first two weeks, I was parked at one of those. I didn't get the, the pleasure of seeing what happened, <laughs> like Chris did. But I did actually. I was parked at one of those, you know, the shuttles where you leave your car at the airport, you know. And when I got back in town, and it was freezing cold, and it was pouring rain, and it was, you know, the wind is blowing, and the um, the big white dually truck that had been parked to me put a huge dent in my front right passenger door. Mm. that is still here to this day. Mm-hmm. I never fixed it. Mm-hmm. Because to me, it's like, I don't know what that guy's story was. They might have been in a hurry. It was cold. You know, I mean, it was cold. and rain. But I thought, you know, to me, that's a reminder of the story of, you know, the Chris tells about Zen and the art of happiness. And, the ha- you know, and, and that is about how do we take that stuff in that happens to us? You know, are we going to blow up? Are we going to be angry about it? Are we going to be, and this isn't, I'm not talking about like rolling over and letting people walk all over this. I'm not talking mm-hmm. about that. But I'm talking about looking at opportunities for being able to pay it forward then. Looking for opportunities to be our best selves, to be our highest selves. Because to me, it is my belief Hang that on. When we are. Yes, it's time for our break. Thank you for that. Okay. That's a great note. <laughs> we'll be right back, though, and we want to hear some more about that, those great opportunities. My guest is Marie Krebs, and we're talking about connecting with our higher power. We'll be right back on Spirit of Recovery. Are you in a state of change, a period of transition? 
Perhaps you simply don't know which way to turn, or you want guidance on taking that next step in your personal or professional life. You can activate the power of yes with Reverend Beverly Melander. As a new thought minister and next step counselor, she knows how to listen to where you are and help you get to where you want to be. With 20 plus years of experience, she offers spiritual counseling and affirmative prayer next step counseling for your personal or professional life, as well as resume writing and editing. To learn more about Beverly's counseling services, visit beverlymelander.net. That's Beverly, M-O-L-A-N-D-E-R.net. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. And now, here's Anna. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, um, our topic today is connecting with my higher power, with our higher power, and my guest is Marie Krebs. And Marie is a licensed professional counselor, a licensed chemical dependency counselor, and a certified sexual recovery therapist. And uh, she has extensive experience supporting people in recovery as they are finding their higher power. So, Marie, before the break, you told us that wonderful story from the book The Zen and the Art of Happiness by Chris Prentice. And you're telling us about uh, your values and, and your ideas about spirituality, that it does have to do with finding that higher opportunity in every situation. So tell us some more about that. And I know you've got a great experience uh, that you had with somebody you worked with a long time ago around, along those lines as well. Right. And, and so when I talk about, um, you know, finding our, our, our higher power, part of, part of that is how we language things, right? And so in working with people, you know, I, I have them look at, you know, this, this idea of our, our higher self, our best self. Because for me, that's, that's part of connecting with the divine, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to use language like divine with somebody who's an atheist because that could be a real turnoff, obviously. But it is mm-hmm. still connecting them into that same um, um, type of, of relationship with God. Um, but going back to the book, the Zen and the Art of Happiness. I, again, I love this book. It's a, it's a great book. And the experience I was telling you on when we were offline a moment ago, I had a client several years ago, probably about four or five years ago, and um, he was really struggling um, with um, his 
abuse of alcohol. I don't know that he was necessarily an alcoholic, but he was definitely abusing alcohol. And he kept saying all he wanted was to be happy, but, you know, he was just destroying his relationships. And every girlfriend he would get, he'd, you know, be drinking too much, and then something would happen, and it would just all go awry. And, you know, his job was, you know, um, in jeopardy as well. So I asked him if he would please read this book, and um, and he did. And, and we had an appointment scheduled for the following week for him to come back. And he called me beforehand, and he was canceling his appointment, and he said that this book had changed his life. And I said, really? I mean, it's kind of unheard of. It's unusual, if you will, for a book to actually change someone's life. But in his case, I really believe that he did. He said that he actually, he didn't just read that book once. He had read it six times, and he was actually, and he was able to articulate for me that he was, he had actually had a paradigm shift, if you will, in terms of the lenses that he was seeing and viewing and interpreting the world and how he was taking things in and the things that used to make him so angry and he would get so frustrated, which was why he was drinking, um, weren't doing that anymore. He was able to, like Chris, look at something unfold in front of him and take that perspective of, you know what, this is happening for a reason. I don't know what this is right now that this, you know, this guy's plowing into the back of my brand new car, but I have a choice when I walk out there. I can go out there and scream at this guy and, you know, it can be a really horrible, horrible experience, or I can, I can operate from a place inside of my higher self and come out there and offer compassion and grace to this guy. And not only that, but, you know, help him out and help him find a job. So, um, you know, for some people, that book, it can be a life-changing thing as well, too, and it can be, a, you know, a helpful resource and tool. I even say for people who are getting kind of stale in their recovery, you know, I've worked with people who, you know, have been sober for, you know, 7, 10, 15 years, and then, you know, after a while, it's like, you know, the meetings are just feeling a little flat, and, you know, the work with their sponsors feeling a little flat, and, you know, so, you know, looking at, you know, working on that piece, that spiritual component, um, it's, it's very helpful. I tend to work with a lot of uh, chronic relapsers um, over the years. And, um, you know, the things that have, and again, these, these are people, it's that, it's that spiritual component, because, not, again, I believe it is a spiritual disease is what, um, it is a disease, alcoholism and drug addiction, they are a disease, and no arguing that. But there's also the spiritual component as well. And that's, for me, that's where the, that's where the window out of this disease is, is through spirituality. And so, um, you know, working with people, whether it's using nature, whether it's, you know, getting them connected with a community of faith, um, um, you know, being in book studies, you know, um, I'm, I'm thinking of a lot. There's a lot of, um, there's a, you know, the, another uh, wonderful couple of books, and, and, and I read them years ago, and they were so helpful to me, and I've, I've certainly referred them to others, too. It's Conversations with God. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that, you know, with mm-hmm. that, but, mm-hmm. um, again, an, another very, very helpful book for helping people kind of understand, you know, and, and really what it is. And oftentimes I'll even ask people, well, so what do you need God to be for you? Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what, is, what does a higher power need to be for you? know, because if you start out by telling me, well, when you think of God or you think of higher power, it's this, you know, old white guy with this, you know, long white beard that was shaking a finger and real punitive and judgmental and critical. 
man, I don't need, I can tell you right now, I don't need any, I've got people like that in this world that we have to interact with at this time. I don't, I don't need or, or desire to be in a relationship with somebody like that. And I don't blame them, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so it's about looking at, okay, so if that's not serving you, that image of God, can we talk about what, what, what another image of God, like what would you want God to be for you? What, how, how, how would, if you could design the most perfect relationship with God, what would it look like? What would be some of the components? What would you experience? What would you feel, physically feel, in your relationship with, with the God of your understanding? Mm-hmm. And, and oftentimes that's, that's a way to have a conversation around trying to identify um, that to, to kind of, if you will, get some kind of a, um, it's not going to be a skin on their God, but it's going to be some kind of a way to conceptualize so that they have a, they can de- begin to develop some kind of a relationship, if you will, some kind of a dialogue with that God of their understanding. Um, and that and and that's how I work with people. So when when you are doing that, how are people able to do that, or what are some of the roadblocks that come up when when you? Because that in itself is a pretty bold act to say. Well, you can come up with your own concept of a higher power, and in fact, can be like people are like, well, wow, you're not supposed to come up with your own idea, of God, because it kind of is this kind of interesting paradoxical loop. So. What happens for people when you make that suggestion to them? Right, but but let's be clear about what I said, okay? Okay. What do you need? Uh-huh. What do you need this God of your understanding to be? What does that relationship need to be like? So what are most people going to say? Well, I, I don't want to... Okay, we, we, we can go through the... I know what you don't want, okay? I don't want a punitive mm-hmm. God. I don't want a judgmental God. I want a God that's going to love me. I want a God that's going to accept me. As I am, I'm going to want a God that is going to that 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 my very existence matters. Mm-hmm. That I have a purpose here. I want a God that that I I can be in relationship with. That I can feel those things. That is anything that I just said contrary to what you know m- most of our concept and those of us that do have a you know um, a God of our understanding is anything that I've just said contrary to that no Mm-mm. and so that's typically that's what happens that's where people go with that i've never had anybody you know well i, I want it you know i i actually have i actually thinking back i did have one guy well i want a god that's going to give me a million bucks and i'm like <laughs> yeah good luck with that right uh-huh. right uh-huh. but but you know and he obviously this person knew he's being sarcastic at the time that he said that but you know i mean again this is a this is a conversation about you know, the kind of, like when you think about a relationship, you know, when it goes really well, it doesn't always go well, but when you have a relationship with your, your parents, your mother and your father, because it is my belief that our parents teach us as children who that God is. They are God for us because we have to, as children, completely and fully rely on these big beings in our life, right? So they're kind of our first examples of who God is for us. So if we if we are lucky and we get those parents that are loving and nurturing and, and they raise us with a belief system that what we say and what we feel matters, that we're important, that we have value, right? 
then then we're going to get that. But for those of us who you know who grew up in in families where we didn't feel that, whether it was the intention, and, and it's not always necessary. It's not that parents. I'm not here to say that parents are bad. This is not about blaming parents, but it's more of a you know e- because sometimes children, even if parents are doing the best they can, the kids still you know we don't get that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But but if we can be we can begin to conceptualize a that there is a uh, a power greater than ourselves that does love us that is quite frankly love right in its purest forms um then you know that that is an invitation if you will to sit with to meditate to reflect on what it would be like to be in relationship with that kind of a god of our understanding right Yes, it sounds bold, and but but again, let's remember how I said it. it's like. Who do you need? Who do you? Is it, this isn't like okay. Well, go out there and, and 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 tell me like you know. Well, what do you want God to be? It's more of a what do you need? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what we and and that's those are those are. I mean, those are human experiences that we all need. We all need to know that we matter, that we have value, that we have purpose. Right, but you know, for most of us, we get an entire lifetime to figure that out. You know, right, right, yeah, that's a beautiful thing, and I and I certainly agree with you. I'm on on board with that. I was just wondering that sometimes, depending on how people have been raised, that itself can be a barrier. Anyway, well, exactly, and so and so, if somebody has been raised with a a uh, religious construct that's different from that. Okay, mm-hmm. and I can certainly understand that. I was raised with a religious construct, very different from that. But for me, you know, if I'm if I'm working with somebody who you know is is struggling in their addiction, and that old construct that they are trying to form a relationship that ain't working for them. Okay, mm-hmm. well then, you know, you're going to have to be doing something different here. And it's going to be about looking at your spirituality. You know, I tell people, you know, when you're a kid, and you, 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 you know, you come into this world and you go to school and you learn how to, you know, do math and to do, you know, to write. And, and then, you know, you become physical and you join, you know, you know, either a track team or you play football or you play basketball and you develop your body. And so you develop your mind and, and you develop your, um, you know, a, a emotional maturity. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully people work on that. But, you know, What's the one thing that's usually left off a person's spiritual development? Mm-hmm. Because how much time do we normally spend as, you know, like from children through adolescence through young adulthood and through working on our spiritual development? And I'm not talking about going and putting your butt in a seat mm-hmm. and going to some kind of a service. That's not spiritually developing. That's going in, that's listening to some, you know, that's, that's, that's not developing one's spirituality, which is much broader than... Um, just what you're going to get at a service on Sunday. Because it's what happens in the parking lot before you walk in, and it's what happens in the parking lot on the way out and on the way home and in between mm-hmm. all week. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's where a spirituality, a person's spirituality can come alive and, and, the, and the freedom that's in that as well, too, you know. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, for people who can, who can begin to work towards a, a development of, the God of their understanding is completely and utterly supporting them at every moment of every day and every night. Completely, utterly and completely supporting. But the thing is, it's about, you know, having a, a, a shift, if you will, a, a cognitive and emotional, a psychic shift 
toward that kind of thinking that that you are we all are surrounded by love and by God and it's 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 our part how we interact and how we play if you will and dance in that space that's wonderful our uh time is almost up if you could marie just in a few words are just going to, this is going to be impossible, but how have you seen people's <laughs> lives change um, when they do this, when they just even begin to make this shift to understanding what you just said, that we live in love? I'm sorry, reset what you, you want me to How do people's lives change when they make that shift and start oh to Oh my connect? gosh. So uh-huh. when I have people who, I, people would come up to my office at the CSD, and I remember the first time that they walk in, and then when they start really doing the deal, and they start, you know, they, they're going to meetings, and they, and they really start working on their spirituality, and they come up, and I see literally a transformation. I see a transformation physically manifested in their face and in their body, and I can see that, you know, the light in their eye and the joy and the freedom versus, you know, when people first come in and there's people are so broken. But, you know, that's where I really and truly, that's where I believe that's where that window. I mean, if we if we can find and all it takes is just a little teeny crack in that window to let that light in and to let that love in and, and to begin to conceptualize it like that. It is life transforming, really and truly. Marie, thank you so much. My guest is Marie Krebs. We've been talking about connecting with the higher power. And Marie, just thank you so much. What a gracious presence you are and uh, what a light you are. And I know that you do create that space for people to find the love and thank find you. the light that they are. Thanks so much for being my guest today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, Anna. It's been great. Thank you all for listening. Um, have a wonderful week. Uh, be blessed. And we'll be back next week on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Is the world we live in making you ill? Fast food, junk food, feeling overwhelmed, not enough time? People are stressed, anxious, overweight, depressed, and have numerous health issues that are being treated with pills. There really is a way to get back to good health without the use of medication, and it's not rocket science or hard work. Primary Brain Repair is a simple, natural method developed by Dr. Suka that can give you relief from your symptoms and help prevent long-term health problems. You can have more energy and a release from pain and suffering, along with a new joyful sense of self, increasing your physical, emotional, and spiritual health. It's called Wellness Simplified. Join Dr. Suka on Fridays at 3 p.m. Central Time and learn more about her healing method.
In quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 